you, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 160 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. Now, uh, forewarning, we recorded, or thought we were recording about an hour of this already, and we have to start over. <laughs> so if we seem a little irritated, that's why. Yep. Anyway. Long-time so listeners we, know that uh, technology is not our friend. No. We are very bad at technology. <laughs> it's a wonder how we put out half the halfway decent episodes. The thing is, so much of the time, it's not our fault. Yeah, it's just... Like, this is one of those. Fuck. It's usually just glitchy fucking software. Yeah. Sometimes, it's me not, not doing the thing. Well, yeah. That's a whole other issue. Uh, anyway. So, uh, we're doing another episode... Socially distant. So far away. So distant. Um, um, still taking precautions, even though it seems like the rest of the world isn't anymore. Yeah, Don't everyone just kind of... Uh, it's like they moved on to all the, the protests yes. and everything. So they were like, oh, like, oh so we're, not- we're, we're done with the pandemic then. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, coronavirus? We're not doing that anymore. <laughs> we're doing protests now yeah which you know not gonna get into another 40 minute rant like we did episode last episode but <clears throat> you know any it seems like seattle's national news at this point if not worldwide news uh you know we've had a group of protesters basically uh not really claim dominion <laughs> over uh you know was about six city blocks or something like that on Capitol Hill. I think it's only two. It's only two? It seemed bigger. Well, it like branches out on the sides, so I guess it's probably two this way and then yeah, another four that way. So yeah, probably six. Okay. Um But yeah, I mean basically if you haven't been following the news, uh Seattle area protesters have you know, basically around the clock, we're protesting right outside of a excuse me, a police precinct, um, and you know, getting assaulted by the police. Even though you know, it's like, hey, police, you're the problem, and they're like, no, we're not. Have some tear gas. Um, <laughs> just you know, shooting people with tear gas because they threw a water bottle at them. Um, Let's see tear gas, pepper balls, rubber bullets, any, any multitude. Pepper spray. Yeah, 
And you, you know, you've seen the news. This is happening everywhere. Um, it seems like the police just can't help themselves. Um, but the pressure was so aggressive. Well, aggressive isn't the right word. The pressure was so consistent and surmounting that uh, um, the SPD uh, abandoned the precinct on Capitol Hill um, and uh, basically the protesters kind of took over the area. Dub- they, they At the time, they dubbed it the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, a.k.a. CHAZ. Uh, it's been since renamed CHOP as Capitol Hill uh, Occupied Protest, which is more of an apt name. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, yeah, I've shared. Good. They're they're not trying to be autonomous. There's you know there is a sign at at one of the entrances that says you are now leaving the United States, but there's been no formal move to actually secede from the United States. It's it's more of a uh, symbolic thing. Yeah, and leaders of Black Lives Matter Seattle, you know the ones that organized all this, uh, have said it's like we're not trying to secede from the United States. <laughs> Yeah. It's like we're making a point here that we can live in a society that has little to no need of uh, a, you know an aggressive, oppressive um, police force. Um, I really so far think that proving everybody or they've been proving themselves right. I think the cops really thought if we just abandon the precinct, then they'll like break in and they'll try and set it on fire, and then we can just go after them with. You know, it's guns blazing. Mm-hmm. And the protesters protected the precinct. Yeah. There were anarchists there that tried to fuck with it. Uh, doing exactly what what I'm, you know, almost positive the police were trying to bait them into doing. Um, and yeah, that building still stands. The, the, the only thing, it's been defaced. Um, yeah, the Seattle Police Department sign on the front of the building has been um, rebranded as the, the Seattle People Department, um, which isn't really clever, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and anyway, but you know, I've I've shared my grievances with Seattle before. Um, you know, the city itself, its politics, and its people. But I have to say that as a, you know, a resident of Washington and, you know, um, somebody who supports the movement, I'm pretty, pretty proud to see what's going on, uh, you know, as far as areas, area sake goes, my hometown. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, uh, I, I went there yesterday. And just despite what you may be seeing on TV, there are no armed Foxes. guards. <laughs> there, there's no ID checks. Uh, I didn't see any evidence of any businesses being shaken down for protection. Um, something you know, there, I did. There, it, something I did hear, and I don't know if it was just untrue, or if it's just not happening anymore, or 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 what, was that there were people who are you know basically gun owners that support the cause just up there patrolling not really being armed guards per se 
not you know running checkpoints or anything like that just up there making sure that people don't get out of hand um and yeah i don't know if that's, that's true. that is true that is true okay and i mean there's definitely like a a hierarchy forming there is you know a some form of leadership there there's people you know you can see them with walkie talkies and stuff but it's it's not a you know policing thing it's more just you know making sure that everything runs smoothly making sure that there's no troublemakers because when i was there there was a guy who was you know he's one of the evangelists that sits outside sports games telling you you're going to hell and uh him and another guy were there screaming racist things which i don't know why that they thought that was a good idea but i don't i don't understand that those people like i mean i know they're insane i mean but it's like what kind of what pick your audience like what what are you trying to achieve like they're ranting at people going to sports games ranting at people just kind of existing but it's like it's not like they're trying to send any specific message just like you're all sinners and you're all going to hell well the thing is i kept seeing on twitter from you know accounts that i wouldn't want to signal boost talking about a street pe- street preacher being assaulted by antifa and i'm like that's not what happened. Like, I was there. This guy was screaming racist things. And people grabbed him and told him to stop. That was it. Yeah. I think you sent me a picture of a bunch of, or not a bunch, a couple guys trotting up onto the hill carrying their Trump flags. Saying oh, yeah, they, they showed up right as we left. So I don't know what happened with them. It's like, oh, we're not trying to cause problems. It's like, Yes, you fucking are. What else are you doing? Yeah, I was just poking the bear. <laughs> I wasn't trying to cause any trouble with him. <clears throat> um, you said you went to the silent march on Friday, too? I did, yeah. Uh, that was very interesting. Estimated 60,000 people. And we just, yeah, just marched in silence. That's It's weird. It's a... It, to think of the stark difference between a silent march and, you know, how loud the protests have been. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's a little eerie. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's funny that you say this, this uh, kind of leadership is starting to form, which, you know... <sighs> That's just human nature. You need a leader. You need a, you need an alpha of one sort or another because we each, we have a pack mentality. Because um, at our core we're animals, but it's like, um, like it's kind of counter to what they were trying to do. I mean, they didn't really want to have, have, have be an organization so much, just more of a movement. But you know, people like Fox News or just latching on to every single thing they can. I mean, they didn't, it's like they took fake news, which they're famous for at this point. And they, they, uh, fabricated pictures. Yeah. They literally <laughs> Photoshopped this, the same, uh, armed protester into three different photos. In yeah. Three different areas of Seattle. They also posted an article about chop with a photo from the Minnesota riots two weeks ago. Right. Or was it Minnesota? I thought it was Chicago. I read it was Minnesota. Oh, regardless, it wasn't Seattle. 
It wasn't Seattle, yeah. yeah it also it, wasn't it actually said in the caption that this is Chicago or Minnesota, whatever it was. Uh, it, they didn't say that it was Seattle, but they put it like very large at the top of the Seattle article to make you think it was right. Seattle. Um, and, you know, th- like, you know, saying they're latching on uh, everything they can. Did you hear about this Monty Python thing? Uh, briefly. I didn't really catch what it was, but I heard that they fell for some kind of Monty Python joke. Yeah. On the uh, Reddit, as the cap, as the Chaz subreddit, um, apparently uh, uh, Raz Simone is—he's a, a Black Lives Matter, um, or no, he's—he's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's kind of coming out as kind of like a de facto leader up there, um, of sorts. I don't—I don't really know the finer details of it, but basically, people were talking about it on the subreddit. And somebody went on there and said, I didn't vote for Raz. I thought we were an autonomous collective. An anarcho, anarcho-syndicist commune, at the least. We should take turns to act as sort of an executive officer for the week. Which is a line almost almost word for word out of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, but Fox News latched onto it and said that it was uh, a sign of infighting. Among among the Chaz protesters, it's like how uh, fucking stupid can you be? I also saw this site. I can't remember the name of it now. It was something B, but they posted a satire article about Trump imposing tariffs and uh, cutting off uh, exports to Chaz because you know if it's if it's not part of the United States, then he's allowed to do that. And I just saw people on Twitter just run with it. And it's like, if you go to this page's Twitter account, right there in their profile, it says, fake news you can trust. <laughs> it's like, you don't even have to go to their website. You just, you just go to their Twitter profile and it's right there. And you're still uh, running with it like it's like it's news. Well, it's so hard to tell. You know, you pe- people that are, are Trump supporters, um, you know, they, they run with that kind of shit all the time. It comes from his own, his own mouth, all the time. Yeah. He makes these outrageous claims, like he says that he's going to send the military in into Chaz. It's like you do not have the legal authority to do that. No, it is constitutionally against your authority. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it it doesn't matter because be, facts don't matter to them because he said it. And so they're going to take it and they're going to run with it because, damn it, he's going to bring con- he's going to bring law and order, you know. And it's just ridiculous that places can post these articles that are clearly satirical, and people believe them. That's the point we're at. Yeah, they, you don't you can't second guess anything you hear about what he says because he'll say fucking anything. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh, and you know, speaking of him, I mean, Black Lives Matter. It's not about him, but he's been so vocal against—not directly against Black Lives Matter, but he's been very vocal against the protests, which are mm-hmm. about Black Lives Matter. <laughs> um, but and he's you know, using he, Antifa as a scapegoat, right? Which is just trying to be like he's trying to use Antifa as a smokescreen. 
to his for his own feelings, like he's been doing for four years. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering what he's going to do to try and sidestep the very shocking display that he put on at the West Point confirmation, where he couldn't lift a glass of water to his face, and then couldn't walk down a flight of a, a very shallow flight of stairs. This guy, I saw a guy uh, who put like a um, a digital protractor on the image of him walking down the stairs, determined it was an 11 degree uh, decline, which is like, you know, like a, an average staircase is probably a, about 45-ish degrees. It's 11 degrees. Jeez. And he looked like a toddler trying to walk across ice. Yeah, he had to be <clears throat> helped down the stairs. Yeah, it's, I mean multiple um doc doctors i mean not not just mds but uh, you know general physicians but people like like brain doctors have said this is uh basically um textbook symptoms of frontal lobe de- dementia yeah and it's like this is what people have been saying this about him for years for his just outrageous behavior I mean, aside from him just being an asshole, because that's been going on for decades, but... Oh, sure. I think it's arguably gotten worse. Anyway, um, yeah, like I said, we don't want to go on for 40 minutes talking about this like we did last episode, but just think, say that very happy to see what's going on, that the message is still strong, um, and people are still kind of waving the flag. Um, to make sure that this stays in the public eye so we can affect some real change. Um, yeah. And once again, Black Lives Matter. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on just real quickly um, is that uh, l- lately the horror community itself has been having some issues, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I don't know how closely anybody's been following this, but... Um, some things have come out uh, against some staff members at uh, Fangoria uh, slash Cinestate. Um, charges of sexual harassment and I think even statutory rape might be in there somewhere. Um, and um, man, that, that's... And, and, and cover-ups from the higher ups too. It's not just like it was, Oh, this one guy that worked for us, we didn't know this was going on, but no, right. they, they knew what was going on. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really know enough about it to really point the blame aside from like the, the two names in, in the two names that are most, um, apparent and, you know, most often repeated in the midst of all this. Um, I, I don't know who else is involved, or who else shares a responsibility? I mean, anybody who knew about this and didn't take action sooner shares the blame. Um, I just, I hope that. So at this point, Fangoria is, I think, since they technically don't own the name Fangoria, <laughs> the staff, I mean, Sinistate owns it. Effectively, what has happened is that every person at Fangoria has quit. That's my understanding, and I could be wrong. So essentially what's happening now is Sinistate is trying to sell the Fangoria name to someone else. Um, 
So I don't know where the onus lies as far as people working at Fangoria. Um, but I mean, I, ho- I hope it's minimal, if at all. Because Fangoria has been so important to the horror community for, you know, what, 40 years? Um, but I just, <laughs> I really hope for, for everyone's sake that, you know, the, the, that the, the blame and the, the dis- disgusting actions are limited to just the few people that have been named already. Um, I know that's usually not the case and I'm probably hoping against hope, but, um, and similarly, uh, something's come out and apparently this this has been going on for several years. Um, but a certain pair of twins, um, female directors from the Vancouver, Vancouver area. Some things have come out about them, um, and it's not our place to really put that on blast. I mean, it, there are victims in, involved, um, uh, and it, it's not our place to, to share their stories, so I won't go into details, but there have been some pretty um, disgusting things coming out of, against them, and <clears throat> we've supported their work in the past, but I just want to let everybody be aware that we're not that they will no longer be any part of our show um on on or off air um it's it's pretty uh offensive and disgusting some of the things i've i've heard um and a lot of it involves friends of ours people that we know um so yeah as you can put a stamp on that as a, a grave plot guarantee that that those their work will no longer be a part of our show going forward so yeah this isn't the first time that this has happened to us where somebody who we had featured on the show uh did some uncouth things uh the last time it happened we didn't make a, a mention of it but there there are other people and if you look back into our past episodes i'm sure you can figure out who it is uh, but there, there are multiple people at this point now that are persona non grata as far as the show is concerned. And I'd yeah. like to say, you know, that that's it. But the, this shit just keeps happening. Yeah. And, you know, something about this is like with all the other shit that's going on in the world, you know, political unrest, social unrest, uh, a global pandemic <clears throat> for me. At least, uh, I mean, I'm, horror is my outlet. That's where I go to to feel safe. <laughs> um, and I I suppose it was naive of me to think that the horror community was not immune because I wasn't that naive. But to think that it just wasn't really happening. Um, I mean, in, in hindsight, it was definitely silly of me to think so but it's still sickening and it kind of makes my head spin because you know i'm learning about all this all at once you know <clears throat> it's kind of dizzying and just really disappointing yeah. so 
Yeah, I don't I mean, know. You know, like we we talk about it every time we talk about Crypticon that it's like you know we're we're already like the the misfits and the outcasts of the 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 film community. So why are like we don't we sh- we should be banding together and we shouldn't be bullying each other and abusing each other. And there's just there's no need for that in a community or in the world. Like just be a good person. It's really not that hard. Like yeah, yeah, we're assholes. We say a lot of dumb shit. We make fun of people, but it's all, you know, it's it's harmless. It's not, you know, we're not calling people horrible names. We're not bullying people. We're not abusing people. It's you you can be an asshole and still be a good person if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and there's no <clears throat> There's no, I guess, there's no way to really see it coming because, you know, it's like we're not, we're not insiders. Yeah. We don't have like the, you know, the inside scoop on everything. It's like, we kind of hear it through the grapevine, just like everybody else. Um, You know, our, our platform isn't huge, but you know, we, we do take time to kind of take a stand on certain things. Um, and this is definitely one of them. Um, and it's just because like, you know, it, it really hits close to home. You know, if, you know, you see something like this happen and you say, oh, it's terrible. And, you know, it gets to a point where you start seeing names involved, that, you know, names that you know, it's like, hey, those are friends of mine. <laughs> um, and it, that, that comes at a shock, as a shock regardless of what side of, of, of things that they're on. It's like, you, you never really want to see people that, you know, involved in things like kind of like this. Um, yeah. And like I said before, I'm not going to get into it. It's, this isn't hard to find. It's not hidden. It's just not our place to talk about it. Um, but <clears throat> it, the, the Pacific Northwest horror community is not big. I mean, it's not, it's not a huge community compared to like, you know, LA um, or New York or even like maybe like Texas. Um, but we, what, where we, what we don't have in size, we do have in like a tight knit community where everybody knows everybody. And so it kind of surprises me a little bit that, that this didn't become public faster than it did. Because this has been going on for several years now, and yeah. I'm specifically talking about things going on in this area, and not what's going on at Fangoria. That's a that's a separate issue that we're we're not personally familiar with. Um, no skin in the game, so to speak. Um, but point is, just like you know, horror was supposed to for me was like this place where I went to kind of escape from the shittiness of the rest of the world. And here it is, the shittiness right in our own backyard. And it's just, yeah. it's really disappointing. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to take some time, which is more than I plan to take, but, um, that just to say that, you know, we recognize this, um, we, we believe victims, um, and we, we're not going to be supporting these people going forward. 
we can't really make up for what we've done in the past, but um, just kind of blindly supporting people that didn't deserve it. Um, but we can, now that we, our eyes have been opened, so to speak, um, we won't be doing it any, any longer. So <clears throat> that's it. Yeah. And, you know, just in closing, be excellent to each other and party on dudes. You, you saw the, I sent you the trailer, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not so bad. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I have a feeling it's going to be way like overdone. Well, like CGI and stuff or. Yeah. Just like too just go too big with it. And it's like, it doesn't need to be that epic. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm going to see it. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Very dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else to add before we move on? That was my big closer, and then you, you ruined it. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck me, right? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> before we jump into things, I want to thank our grave diggers over on Patreon. These people help support us financially, even though it's kind of a one-sided relationship sometimes. Um. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, it is important to us, um, to keep the show running. Um, it is a, it's not an expensive show we run, but it does cost money. So these people help us move the train along the tracks. Um, they are Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Gory B movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, and Bob Voorhees. Thank you so much guys for your, uh, months and even years of support. Uh, means the world to us. So, uh, Taylor, if anybody else would like to j- help us out, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Uh, for a dollar, you can watch all of our old video reviews that we used to do. Um, and if you Smartest. give $100, <laughs> if you $100, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass now that uh, our, our friendly tattoo shop is now open again. Yeah. That's have you seen like the kind of the standards they have to maintain? Yeah. There's some, some hoops to jump through. Anyway, cool. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add before we, um, just move along to the news? No. Nah. Okay. Well, let's do some horror business. All right, starting out with some real-world horror, we're going to take a trip to España. 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 This one goes out to the people of España. <laughs> um, you know, instead of saying Spain, they say Spain. Spain. <laughs> uh, but they don't. <laughs> uh, over in Spain... Um, after a year-long manhunt. <laughs> Why did it take a year to find this <laughs> uh, A porn star has been arrested in connection with the manslaughter uh, 
of a guy who was killed during a mystic. Last time we did this, Taylor made sure to point out this was a mystic ritual. Yeah, Tony tried to claim that all rituals were mystic in nature. (laughs) Which I had to quickly point out was not true. (laughs) There are many rituals, I would say most, that are not mystic. But, But there are rituals that, you know, like... Like green smoke and spirits and stuff flying around. It's mystic. Yeah. Candles and salt. And... <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about a mystic ritual later in the move, in the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so like I said, a porn star by the name of, of Nacho Vidal. I think that's his real uh, name. Huh? You think that's his real name? I hope so. <laughs> It's like hi, I'm I'm Nacho Vidal. Okay, what's your porn? Or what's your real name? Nacho Vidal. <laughs> I am Sancho. <laughs> um, he was detained last week in southeastern Valencia, uh, in connection with the death of man of man in 2019. Um, so July of 2019. So almost a full year later. Like, was this guy some kind of, like, criminal mastermind where he could just avoid the police for a year? I mean, he probably only works, like, six days a year, and he makes 1,400 movies. <laughs> uh, let's see. The police operation began following the victim's death during a during the celebration of a mystic ritual based... Or, sorry, mystic ritual based on the inhalation of venom from the Bufo Alvarius toad. Sure. Ah, the the old Bufo Alvarius. <laughs> you know that one. Uh, the toad, which is a rare species native to the Sonoran Desert, which spans between Mexico, California, and Arizona, apparently secretes a venom, which has a very powerful psychedelic substance in it, known as 5-MeO-DMT. See? You know that stuff. That's, that, that's, that's stuff your... all the... All the kids are getting into nowadays. That shit fucks you up. And they call it Mio, damn it. They they do call it that. That's the street name. That's the street name. (laughs) Jinx, buy me a Coke. Never buy you a Coke. Okay, so its effects have been compared to... Help me out again. Ayahuasca. Oh, Ayahuasca. (laughs) Which I'd like to reiterate... After I said it the first time, uh, so I've seen the word, but I've never heard it pronounced. So I, it's kind of a, a mouth jumble. See, I was the opposite. I, I've heard it, but I'd never seen it. So I was like, why is there an H in it? Because I always heard it as ayahuasca, like with a W. So mm. it's like, I, I typed it out and I was like, I don't know what that is. And then my brain was like, ayahuasca. And I was like, oh, I do know what that is. <laughs> um. But yeah, so basically, it's it's just a very powerful uh, hallucinogen, uh, which is consumed in the Amazon during uh, shaman rituals. Some, some more rituals. It's very important to have the hallucinogenics or hallucinogens when you're doing rituals. Especially that's the where all the green ones. shit comes from. 
Well, yeah, you inhale the. They said that he inhaled the, to the venom, so it was right. It must have been some kind of green smoke that he inhaled. Right, naturally, yeah, it's green smoke, and it, like some of it floats up and forms into a skull. Yeah, you've <laughs> seen movies. <laughs> you've seen Disney movies, yeah. Um, let's see. That's when they uh, open the bottle. They open the bottle. They pulled out the cork, and then the smoke comes out and forms a skull. Right, right. Uh, following an 11 month inquiry, police arrested Vidal uh, with one of his relatives and an employee. A porn star has employees? That's a new one. Probably unless like a personal they, assistant. I guess, yeah. I was saying, unless it's like Jenna Jameson, you run like this porn dynasty or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, uh, they arrested them on suspicion of manslaughter and c- crimes against public health. I guess that's probably the Mio, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get this Mio, damn it, off the streets. <laughs> it's killing our kids. Um, uh, investigators said they discovered that rituals were being carried regularly on the grounds they offered med- medicinal benefits. So basically, it's like when you go to, like, uh, India... Or Mexico and say, hey, healer, take this cancer out of my body. And then they're like, okay. And then they basically just pull chicken guts out of your stomach. It's like that. Yeah. Except they do it with green smoke. Or like placebos. Mmm, yes. Placebos. Gazebos. Let's see. So they, they say it's a, a harmless ancestral ritual, um, but it actually has a serious health risk. Uh, luring people Clearly, who this guy easy- died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, luring people who are easily influenced, vulnerable, or who are seeking help from illnesses or addictions using alternative methods. Um, it's Reading through this the second time, it's just like, wait. What does a porn star have to do with this? Yeah, how did he get involved when with toad licking? <laughs> it's like you know you expect to hear this from like some like faith healer or like a like a snake oil salesman or something like that. It's yeah, like a porn star. It's like <laughs> it's like a like a, um, a pyramid scheme or something. Yeah, um, I don't know. When I first anyway. put this on here, I, I I wanted it to be more of like a satanic ritual. That would be a little more on brand. Sure. So we're just going to go fake news and say it was a satanic ritual. He was trying to summon <laughs> Baphomet. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Nobody's going to know the difference. Or the, the porn <laughs> version, which would be Asimet. Got him. <laughs> why are so many porn titles puns? I never quite understood that. I don't know. <laughs> because puns are the sh- lowest form of comedy. To try and trick people? That was what I always thought. It's like, oh, I'm going to watch Forrest Gump. Oh, no, Forrest Hump. Whatever, I'll watch this. Or, like, sometimes they just don't even bother changing it. They just add, like, triple X to the back end of it or something. That's true, yeah. It's like Avengers triple X. Like, okay, well, that took zero imagination. Like, like Ass Avengers? It's right there. Like, you, you can just do Ass Avengers. Sure. Anyway, 
So just uh, don't breathe in toad venom, and you'll probably be okay, unless something else kills you. Like coronavirus. Right. Toad licking does not cure coronavirus. <laughs> don't Probably. Don't believe the hype. What if it does, and I just told everybody not to do it? Well, then you're the asshole. <laughs> just don't take oxy from aldehyde. So for at least, we'll just say a minimum, of six fucking years, Tony and I have drawn strong skepticism towards anything that Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, or anyone else says about an Evil Dead 4. Well-deserved skepticism. I would say so. Because Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have said a lot of shit that never happened. Yeah. Our asses are so full of smoke. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like they might actually be moving forward. In an interview with Empire, Bruce Campbell announced that Lee Cronin, who directed The Hole in the Ground, has signed on for a a, a new Evil Dead movie. I don't know if it's Evil Dead 4, but it's, it's a new Evil Dead movie called Evil Dead Now. It's a terrible name. That's a dumb name. It's a bad name. It's bad. It's like, it sounds like a it sounds like a streaming network that only shows Evil Dead movies. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd probably pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that. But it's like it, it sounds like a, like a working title. Yeah, it's like Evil Dead Two Thousand. <laughs> uh, Evil Dead Now will not feature the character of Ash because the the one thing that Bruce Campbell has stayed true to is that he will not return as ash yeah he's been pretty adamant about that yeah uh it also presumably will have no ties to fide alvarez's evil dead which means no mia uh instead telling a brand new story within the universe so we're, i mean it makes sense that a- it has no mia because jane levy's on like the hottest new stupid show on tv <laughs> We wa- we started watching that and then stopped because it wasn't very good. But apparently it got renewed for a second season because people love it. You know what it reminds me of? Scrubs episode? Like it, it, well, yeah, obviously, with the story. But like just the, the way that it's shot and everything, it feels very Gilmore Girls. Ugh. Just very <laughs> fast-paced. And everybody's talking. Somebody's always talking. When they're not singing, yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, Campbell says, from this point forward, they kind of have to stand on their own, which is fine and liberating. You could have different heroes, different heroines in this case. This one's going to be a little more dynamic. We just want to keep the series current. And the mantra really is that our heroes and heroines are just regular people. That's what we're going to continue. I'm with that. I mean, I I can see it being more of an anthology series rather than a you know, a continuation of, of, of different films. But, you know, something we talked about last time we talked about this, uh, about an hour ago. <laughs> like, was, like an hour ago? <laughs> uh, 
like we don't really know what what tone it's going to follow unless it's going to be comp- setting a completely new tone well yeah because Fide Alvarez's version is so like dark and so straightforward uh, and Ground- just you know just just straight horror yeah and more more grounded I think yeah, whereas you look at Evil Dead, and especially Evil Dead 2, and even more so with Army of Darkness, they were they were funny, they were comedy. Yeah, and the even the even the horror itself was more whimsical. Yeah, which is what uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead was more along the lines of that. Right. As opposed to Fide Alvarez's movie. So, yeah, it could be something completely different. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe sure. Maybe maybe it's puppets. I that that worked with Ashy Slashy, so that's true. <laughs> um, maybe they're superheroes. <laughs> you know, I I compared this to uh, when we talked about this the first time. I compared this to um, Hellraiser. Well, first I said you know all of the major horror and uh, uh, horror franchises. Um. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, um, uh, Nightmare, Hellraiser have all been, for the most part, directed by different people. So they've all got their different. Well, it's following the same story. It's they've all got the kind of their different tones. Um, and you know, I used Hellraiser as a primary example where the first, let's say, the original franchise. Um, had a very similar tone. It was a pretty straight through story, not a lot of change in it style wise. But then you get into Revelation, where it was a pretty revelation. Uh, not really so much a departure, but a very different film than the rest of them. It was very bad. I'll start, I'll make sure to say that. Um, but tonally, it was very different than the rest. Yeah, and then you get into Judgment, which was very different in its own, like very different from anything we'd seen before. Um, and you know, in my opinion, it was actually a lot more similar to the very first movie and even the uh, original novella than um, than a lot of the films were. But you know, that's just an example of that. Like, it was all one continuous story for the most part. It, it followed one thread, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, um, but it was all very different. Like it was easy to think that they were different. Um, so it's like where we don't know if this is going to follow the original Dead series, or if it's going to follow um, Alvarez's Evil Dead, because um, you know even to this day we don't really know that they had any kind of connection to to each other. Um, I could see it following either thread and being completely different tonally and yeah. being just fine because as long as you've got the Necronomicon and the Deadites and just that general mythology, then who's to say differently, you know? True. I know uh, Campbell also said that, that Cronin was going to punish the audience, which makes you think it's going to be probably very scary. I guess. <laughs> Seems like or a it's weird thing. Be like, yeah, it's just gonna be so bad. Just be like, <laughs> F- fuck you. We got your money. <laughs> yeah, we did hold on the ground in our 
last St. Patrick's Day episode. And I seem to remember us liking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a decent amount. So there's at least hope there. But, you know, something when we when we were talking about this, when, it, when the news first dropped, um, you know, I've had this pretty long-standing thing. It's just like, well, if it's Evil Dead related, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and this is really no different. You know, they maybe have a director because when we were talking about this, you said, well, they have a director now. And I said, yeah, well, so did The Crow. And The Crow had a director for several years. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Again, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, we'll wait till the cameras start rolling. Right. So Ari Aster, who's been taking the horror world by storm, right? Sure, more or less, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he's had two very successful films. Um, this is true. Uh, I mean, both Hereditary and Midsummer were. I don't know. I guess it wasn't for every, they weren't for everyone. Not everybody liked them, but I think. Oh no. I think casual horror movie watchers or viewers were not very interested in it but like diehards like us we loved it um it was a kind of a i don't even really know if it was something new it was just something refreshing just something that we hadn't seen in a while at at least um yeah at least like at least hereditary was a way to do a ghost story that wasn't every other ghost story movie every fucking blumhouse movie that comes out that's exactly the same yeah and um i guess these movies were made for horror fans and that's what i appreciate about them is that what Um, you appreciate about them (laughs) um you know something like blumhouse where it's made for the masses it's date night horror movies. This was like real horror shit. Yeah. That, you know, hardcore horror fans will enjoy. And again, even hardcore horror fans, it wasn't for everyone. But I think we were more prone to enjoy them than anyone else. You know, I saw um, Hereditary with my entire family. It's me, my wife, my parents, and my sister and my brother-in-law. We all went. And like... I think me and my dad were like the only ones that like really enjoyed it. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway, uh, he's kind of doing this elevated horror thing where, you know, for the most part, it's been, I think you and I have kind of mutually agreed this elevated horror trend has been pretty fucking stupid, but Whereas a lot of this elevated horror is not really horror at all. This shit's like legit horror. Yeah. Um, And it's not like cheap jump scares or shit like that. It's not overly gory. It's just really cringeworthy, horrific shit. It's like, yeah, psychological shit. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I think pretty much 
everybody in the horror community kind of waits with bated breath to hear about his next project because he's done, you know, so well. Let's see if he get the hat trick. Uh, well, he's doing an interview with uh, the Associated Students Program um, at UC Santa Barbara, uh, where he's talking about his next movie. And he described it as a nightmare comedy. And then he had just completed a new draft of the script. Now, Ari Aster and comedy, even horror comedy, are not two things that I really put together. No, I'm, I, I'm like even trying to think about it. I'm having a real hard time trying to picture what his version of comedy would be. Yeah, because think about Hereditary, which had almost no levity in it whatsoever. No. And I think that's what made it so effective. It was just kind of it's like a heavy, a heavy movie. Thing. Um, yeah, it's just constantly adding on to this tension and this this building of dread, and and it never it never stopped. It was unapologetically tense. Um, Midsummer had a little more levity in it, um, but again, it just it wasn't like I wouldn't define it as comedy even in the slightest. It's some no. jokes. It. It had some a couple goofy characters, but nothing that I would say was defining of the film. So yeah, him doing comedy is not something I can really understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think of like the end of Hereditary or something where she's doing this thing, and then <laughs> just like you know, it rolls down the stairs and it's just like womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, mi cabeza. <laughs> Oopsie. Okay. Um Anyway, uh, he also said that the film will be even longer than Midsummer's extended cut, which you informed me is over three hours long. I, I think it's it's something like three and a half hours. Yeah, that is so long. Like Midsummer on its own is not short. No, like the it's, theatrical it's pretty, cut. Yeah. Um. He says, uh, "All I know." Is that it's going to be four hours long. No. No, it's not. Yeah, not in a theater, it's not. <laughs> uh, unless like, you're planning on editing it yourself and producing it yourself and distributing it yourself, it's not going to be four hours long. Because <laughs> somewhere in that process, yeah. someone is going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, something we were talking about before is, you know, you take like... Marvel movies. Marvel movies are easily like the most lucrative cash cows in cinema history. <laughs> um, and like you take Infinity War and Endgame, which easily could have been combined into one movie. Um, and but even Marvel was smart enough not to even attempt to make a five hour long movie. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I totally would have sat in the theater for five hours to watch it, but that's just me. (laughs) 
Um, I would only sit in the uh, in the theater for five hours of Ass Avengers. Let's see. Uh, Aster previously teased the project as a zonky anxiety comedy and uh, or as a zonky anxiety comedy and an absurdist evil comedy. That doesn't really help me. Like, I don't. uh, What the fuck is zonky? I don't know. Um, like, even that just sounds too goofy for his style. Like, I don't. I'm. I don't know. I'm not putting the pieces together. Like I'm, the I'm, the anxiety part, I get. Like that's that's Ari Aster all the way. I don't know sure. how you do an anxiety comedy. Yeah. I'm, When's the punchline? When's the punchline? <laughs> I'm just picturing something starring like uh, like. Um, Michael Sarah or something, <laughs> or you know somebody like notorious for just playing these really anxious characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, like I said at the beginning, I, I'm I, I I hope he can get the hat trick. I'm I'm anxious to see what he does next. You know. Yeah. Um, it's. It should be interesting. I, I, like I said, I really can't even picture what his style of comedy might be. Yeah. But, I mean, we've often said that horror and comedy are so, you know, so inter- intertwined with each other that, you know, it, c- it could be very, very similar in his uh, style. Just like kind of a sarcastic, nihilistic style, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure we'll hear more about it as time goes on, but I'm, I'm anxious to see where this is going. It better be Zonky. That's all I know. I was promised Zonk. <laughs> there better be ample amounts of Zonk in this movie. <laughs> So once upon a time, I had to go to Hawaii for a friend's wedding, and Tony, for one episode, replaced me with director Silas Dahl, and they talked about a little movie called The Changeling. It's true. That happened. Tony loved it. He was (laughs) like, this movie is just absolutely primed for a remake. Yeah, that sounds like me. (laughs) Tony, have I got good news for you. (laughs) Because famed director Anders Engstrom is remaking Anders the Changeling. Sandstrom? <laughs> Anders Sandstrom. Anders <laughs> Sa- Sandstorm. <laughs> the fucking X-Men? <laughs> like three people get this joke. Um, <laughs> if they're even listening. <laughs> uh, you're right. Only Silas gets this joke because he's the only one listening to this. <laughs> um, uh, Anders Sandstrom, of course, directed Taboo and Hannah and C. He is Finnish, and he will be 
directing the upcoming remake for producer Joel B. Michaels. Who I, I don't know anything about. I don't know that bitch. Uh, the film follows a musician who, after the death of his young daughter, returns to his childhood home. After a series of terrifying events, he begins to unlock the mystery of the dead child that haunts his home, along with a terrible family secret. So that's a little different right off the bat. Um, I mean, in the original, it was his daughter and wife. And it was just a home that he rented um, hmm. in the original rather than his childhood home. So, But, I mean, the rest of it sounds pretty, pretty uh, s- standard for the, for the original, I guess. <clears throat> Uh, this is being written by Tab Murphy, who you were looking up, and apparently he wrote, uh, what was it, Atlantis or something? What? Yeah, he did like a bunch of Disney movies. Like Atlantis, yeah, was that wrote, one of them? He wrote, he wrote uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, um, and Tarzan, the the cartoon Disney movies. Um, he wrote, yeah, uh, um, the Atlant the Disney Atlantis movie, um. He also he wrote um, two DC Comics animated films, uh, and most recently, he's a writer on uh, a Scooby Doo the the current Scooby Doo cartoon. No no history in horror or even live action film. <laughs> so so weird. <laughs> what a random fucking pick. Like I wonder if he just like wrote it on spec. It was just like man. I've been writing cartoons, but I tell you, my life's work is a remake of The Changeling. (laughs) Uh, Deadline teases that the new take on the original will feature several new twists and turns. Ooh. I hope they give it a... I hope they justify the title, because the title, like the payoff uh, in the original for the title, is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Like the title alone makes you think there's gonna be like a shapeshifter or something. There's not. It's a ghost story. Uh, this is currently being shopped at the virtual cans market. Or cons. Too weird. Is it cans or cons or con or can? I've heard con and can. I've, I've never heard, heard literally it. all four of those. <laughs> Um, it's being shopped by Cornerstone Films, who I also know nothing about. Man, we're just killing it on this story. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, in my head, I remember not really caring for this much, but I'm looking back at our ratings, and Silas and I both gave it a 7. So we at least enjoyed it a little bit. But, I mean, it's really dry. It's really slow. Um, the payoff in the end is kind of stupid. Uh, but, I mean, it's a classic. It's got George C. Scott, who's, you know, adored worldwide, maybe. He's America's <laughs> sweetheart. <laughs> oh, man, that's one we haven't done in a while. The other day, guys, we were talking about all the dumb jokes that we make on the show and how the only people that think it's funny are us. 
We used to uh, call someone different America's Sweetheart every episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know if we just kept forgetting and it eventually just stopped or what, but... <clears throat> anyway. But it's interesting that they're shopping the project and not the actual film. I wonder if that's commonplace. I think it is. I feel like I've heard of that happening multiple times before. Hmm. Because like, it's like if you and I went to Cannes with a, a project, like just an idea, it's like, hey, we got this film. We got a script. It's pretty good. People would be like, go away. <laughs> People would be like, how many Scooby-Doo cartoons have you written? <laughs> And Angstrom's like, hey, you know me. I wrote, or I directed uh, Hannah. You remember that movie from a few years ago? Hannah. They made a TV show out of it. Oh, yes. I do remember that now. Yeah, that one. (laughs) He also did the film adaptation of Parker Brothers Taboo. Yeah. How could you even make that into a movie? <laughs> I mean, you c- uh, actually, that's you could. You can make it like a horror movie, and there's just like certain words you can't say. It's terrible. I don't want to see that. <laughs> like pee pee poo poo. Hey, we've officially made it further than we did last time. Hey, is your computer still recording? Yes. <laughs> don't don't do that to me. I had to wait for the second to tick over to make sure. Oh. All right. Next story. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense. So, guys, did you know that they're filming a Children of the Corn remake? Yeah, I think we no? talked about this before. Well, well, right. But, like, it just. It's like, hey, we're filming and, you know, we're almost done. What? <laughs> yeah, and then it was like, oh, COVID. And they're like, we're. Just keep filming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, hey, that film has wrapped on production. Yeah, when you don't follow safety protocols. (laughs) When everyone tells you to stop and you don't, it's pretty easy to finish filming. Right. Uh, As Taylor's referencing, um, they did make headlines as... They continued to film outside of Sydney, Australia, despite the lockdown during the coronavirus, um, which have been mostly lifted at this point, I think, in Australia. I don't know why they didn't just hop over to New Zealand. New Zealand has no cases. Yeah, they, they knocked that out, like, quick. Granted, their population is, like, about the size of, you know, Montana, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> Um. Anyway, uh, but producer Lucas Foster has confirmed that the production has officially wrapped 
Um, and he says, uh, you can theorize all you like about safety protocols, but until you get on set, you don't really know. But I can tell you, <laughs> I can now tell you. Got an yeah, that print. sounds like someone who didn't follow safety protocols. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I can tell you now that it's impossible to keep a camera crew 1.5 meters apart. That's six. I think that's six feet ish. <laughs> Fuck out of here with your meters. Nobody uses meters. Except for everyone um, but us. But no, we use standard. We're the only country in the world that uses it, but we call it standard. It's also called imperial, which is weird. Yeah. Because at no point were we an empire. <laughs> an empire in our own minds. Sure. Evil empire. Huh? Evil empire. Sure, yeah, yeah. I love the um, people calling out Tom Morello on Twitter and being like, I liked your music before you got into politics. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. So, somebody was like, what machine did you think he was raging against? The dishwasher? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Foster said, we ended up taking hundreds of measures. We did not trust the hole. Wait, what? The butt I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, instead, we broke down every scene separately. Night, day, crowds, interiors, and so on. Assessing def- different levels of risk. I feel like crowds should just not be anything. There should be no crowds. Uh, that's what Hollywood's saying now. No like crowds. Just, no crowds. They're they're and they're like writers. They're 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 telling writers to you know avoid these things. You know, um, crowds, outdoor scenes, um, kissing, sex scenes. Um, I mean, we've talked about this before, but film is going to be film and TV is going to be very different. Um, anyway. Uh, Children of Corn is, of course, is a remake uh, being described as the events leading up to and including the massacre of the adults of a small town in Nebraska by their children after the adults' irresponsibility run, ruins the crops and the children's future. Uh, this is, of course, based on a Stephen King story. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, in addition, Foster has revealed that Wimmer's film won't be really connected to the Fritz Kirsch film, in, uh, so the original. Uh, he said, we went back to the story and free associated from there. So, kind of like what they did with Pet Cemetery, I guess. Like yeah, they didn't really... went back and did a new adaptation of the book instead of basing it on the movie. Hopefully, they don't right. make a stupid fucking ending like they did with Pet Cemetery, though. Yeah. But if they do, then Stephen King will be like, probably be like, I wish I would have written that ending. Yeah. And then we gotta, then we gotta go over to Maine and fucking bitch slap him. Like the only time that I believed that was when Chuck Palahniuk said it about Fight Club, because the movie ending is much better. Agreed. Um, so that's that. I've never been a huge Children of the Corn fan. I've never read the book. Um. And the movie just never really did a whole lot for me. You? Yeah. I mean, I don't dislike it, but yeah, it's just kind of one of those movies that I will never really go back to. It's not like, oh, you know what? What would be cool that it's watched? Fucking Children of the Corn. Yeah. 
But if yeah, someone's like, like, I've um, never seen it, I'd be like, oh, you should, you should watch it. <laughs> like, you, you uh, should you see know, it once, sure. I mean, you don't have to do it now, but at some point <laughs> you should watch it. Um, yeah, but, you know, I'll, I've seen the original, so I may as well see the remake. Whatever it comes out. Fuck it. Alright, so one more story on remakes. We all know Universal is looking to remake their entire catalog of Universal monster movies. Uh, at least they're not doing the Dark Universe anymore. Or but are looks... they? <laughs> well, they kind of are. <laughs> uh, it looks like Bride of Frankenstein, which at one point was supposed to be like one of their big blockbuster Dark Universe movies. Uh, it looks like they're still going to move ahead with a remake of that. Jurassic Park writer David Cope, who has been attached to the film since 2015, officially confirmed that he and the studio are still very committed to producing the remake. Speaking with Collider, he said that he currently has two versions of the story, and they are trying to decide, as the studio has already started the process of recruiting a director. Two versions of the story, huh? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. He, uh, he said that... That was one thing I did during quarantine. I brought back Bride of Frankenstein into a place where I kind of always wanted it to be. Universal was very gracious to let me try again because they had geared up and shut down famously in the Dark Universe fiasco. Well, not fiasco, <laughs> but disappointment. No, fiasco. It's a fi- it was a fiasco. It was a fiasco. It was a fiasco and a disappointment. <laughs> it, was, it was a very disappointing fiasco. <laughs> yes. He said, so I have a version now and they have a version that we all really like. I think they're talking to directors now. So wait, he said, I have a version now, and they have a version that we all really like. Are those the two versions? One he likes and one they like? I don't know. <laughs> I've given up uh, trying to understand things going on at Universal. Yeah. He goes on to say, it's not the great big $150 million extravaganza with giant movie stars. It's not as scaled down as Invisible Man, but much more reasonable, doable thing with, I think, a really cool idea, and it's all present day. You know how you know it's present day? Cell phones. Because <laughs> they have cell phones it. and laptops. Cope uh, previously probably described do something with like, Huh? They're probably going to do something with like, uh, like hashtags, because the kids are using hashtags. Yeah. Hashtag Bride of Frankenstein. Hashtag the character in the character hashtag, in the movie's gonna be like hashtag Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> Just stole a bunch of female bodies and stitched them together. <laughs> hashtag Bride of Frankenstein. Hashtag here comes the bride. Hashtag WTF. <laughs> uh Cope previously described his vision as a liberation tale about a female monster. I almost said libertarian. Liberation tale about a female monster created for companionship who has quite the opposite in mind. A libertarian would never let this happen because it's a waste of government dollars. <laughs> just, he just makes Frankenstein a bride and then she wakes up and she's libertarian. And he's just like, this isn't going to work. 
Uh, it's unclear whether Angelina Jolie is still attached to portray the titular monster, but according to the outlet, uh, that would be Collider, uh, she reportedly remains committed to the project as long as the right creative team comes along with it. No word on whether some... or not Cope is part of the right creative team in Angelina Jolie's mind. <laughs> I, I think that's like pretty... I think that's... Uh... In contrast to what Cope just said, he says it's scaled down. It's not a you know a movie with giant movie stars, right? You know whether or not Angelina Jolie falls into that category is arguable, I guess. But at this point, if this was like the early two thousands, then I would say she does. But she's hasn't really made anything super big lately. I mean, she made Sleeping Beauty and Melissa Maleficent. That's true. And then Javier um, Bordem was supposed to play Frankenstein. Right. But there's like been no, almost no talk about making Frankenstein lately. Yeah. It seemed like this was always the thing. It's like they were always talking about Bride of Frankenstein and never actually Frankenstein. Which seems so weird. Why would you start with Bride of Frankenstein when you haven't introduced Frankenstein yet? Bride of Frankenstein was part of Frankenstein. <laughs> if you right. read Mary Shelley's book. Bride of Frankenstein was at the end of Frankenstein. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand the world anymore. They're just going to keep making movies, whether we want them to or not. Making and then remaking. I mean, you know, as long as they follow trend with Invisible Man, then, you know, they'll be fine. They'll be all right. They'll They'll be okay. <laughs> not great, not awesome, and not like super bad. Just fine. Yeah. It's like that is definitely a movie. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So that's going to do it for our business, guys. And from here, we are moving on. Two film reviews. <clears throat> All right, we've got some film reviews to, to drop on your asses. Uh, I, I guess we didn't, we, they still don't know what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they do. It's in the name of the episode, but that's true. But <laughs> we never announced it. We didn't. We didn't know what we were going to do last episode because this was supposed to be our HP Lovecraft, <laughs> our second our attempt s- at doing an HP yeah. Le- Lovecraft episode with Max and Avalon, um, and it's still not happening. So, uh, called an audible and just picked some movies. Um, let's see. We got. Uh, we're finally gonna talk about ready or not um was yeah, we're a little behind on that one just just a bit when did this actually come out like last summer uh august yeah <laughs> so almost a year. so a little under a year we we, we <clears throat> beat the one year mark <laughs> and then also uh a new movie called new movie called uh the wretched 
So, which was um, at one point Taylor. the number one film in America. Right. Somehow. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you want to talk about, Taylor? I mean, let's not wait any longer. Let's talk about Ready or Not. believe that in half an hour i will be a part of the ladomas gaming dynasty empire uh dominion we prefer dominion i honestly can't wait to be a part of your family there's just one more thing and then you are officially part of the family so at midnight you have to play a game why it's just something we do when someone new joins the family a game what game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? I mean, stay hidden till dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. What the hell is this? How old is this thing? You shot the maid. Does she look like she's wearing a giant white wedding dress? Emily? <gasps> Holy shit! I had to play along so that I can get you out. It's insane. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Or something very bad will happen to the family. If we don't find her and perform the ritual, we're all dead. Found her. Why don't you just use mine? Mr. Lodomas, I just saw her running. Oh my god! Oh! Oh! Fuck your fucking family! You're just another sacrifice. Do you think this is a fucking game? Yes, I didn't see. Remember? You wanted to get married. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. So, even though this is almost a year old, it's not five years old, so we won't be spoiling anything. But uh, we'd start out with this cold open. These two kids, Daniel and Alex, they're like running through this giant mansion, and it looks like maybe they're being chased. There's people behind them. And. Daniel throws Alex in this wardrobe thing and this man comes up to him and he's like, you got to help me. And Daniel's like, hey, everybody, here he is. <laughs> and then, and then uh, this motherfucker, <laughs> you little shit. This family comes around the corner and they shoot him with like a spear gun. And then just drag his dead body off. Flash forward 30 years. Alex and Daniel are all grown up. Alex is getting married to Samara Weaving, who plays Grace. <clears throat> it's the day of their wedding. And Alex is a little, little trepidatious about the whole thing. He's like, you know, we don't have to do this. We could just leave right now. <clears throat> and yeah, it's pretty Grace, clear right off the bat that he's like kind of alienated from his family. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't seem to want to 
Like, it, it seems like he doesn't want to get married. But Grace is yeah, like... I, I kind of wonder, since we pretty much know the premise of this before we even watched it, because it's been out for so long at this point, I kind of wonder if we had watched this when it first came out, if we would have been as, like, in tune to it um, as the what was going on. I don't know. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Like like even though we haven't seen it and we didn't know how to end it and stuff, we still knew the basic premise. So yeah. Um, but yeah, Grace in typical Samara weaving form is just like, oh, thanks for all the gifts. Fuck off. <laughs> like everything I see Samara weaving in, she cusses like a sailor. Yeah. And this this is no different. Um, but they go through with the wedding and then, uh, afterwards, you know, Grace thinks she's going to get some because, you know, it's her wedding night. That's what you do. You fuck. (laughs) Unless you've been up for fucking 15 hours, (laughs) then you go home and go to sleep. (laughs) Or unless your best man calls you in the middle of the night. (laughs) Did I do that? Yes. I don't. Why did I call you? I think you ass dialed me. <laughs> oh, classic me. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, I don't remember who first. Maybe it's just Alex. Just tells her, you know, we, we have to play a game with my family. It's it's this family tradition. Every time somebody gets married, because they're uh, they made their fortune in like board games, and so they have this family tradition that every time someone gets married, they have to play a game to kind of indoctrinate the new person into the family. So yeah, and there's like an assortment. I mean, not just of family members, but of people that are married into the family. It's like, oh yeah. It's it's old hat. We did it too, right? Yeah, you've got um, Daniel, who's all grown up and now. He's played by Adam Brody. Uh, you've got their sister, whose name I don't remember, who's played by Mrs. McMurray, <laughs> Drink, drinking her cocksucking G and T's. And this character is just Mrs. McMurray. Like it's the same fucking character. <laughs> I didn't recognize her at first because her look is so different. She looked way younger. Yeah, I knew I recognized her, but didn't like my mind didn't immediately go to Mrs. McMurray. Yeah, uh, McMurray's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish I could remember some of those gash in your life. <laughs> Call it Split Slam 2016. <laughs> Um, and then her, oh, Emily is her name. Uh, and then her husband, Fitch, who is played by like a poor man's Glenn Shaddix. (laughs) Did you get that at all? I'm not at the time though. (laughs) Uh, and then there's also their dad or their parents, Tony and Becky. Uh, Becky is played by, uh, um, Andy McDowell. Who is great. I love Andy McDowell. Sure. She's She's uh, America's sweetheart, you might say. (laughs) 
One might. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like every time this happens, they they have this box, and like you put a blank card in it, and it pops back out and has the name of a game on it. Yeah, and like he, the 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 patriarch. I, God, what was his name? Tony. His name is Tony. Is it okay? I totally missed that. <laughs> yeah, he he goes into this monologue basically explaining how his his great great grandfather or whatever the fuck he was <clears throat> made this deal um, with a, uh, some man who seemed like he was like <laughs> like a magician or something. Um, he basically wished for great fortune, um, and in exchange, this guy demanded that every time a new member from the family or new member into the family would have to draw a card from this box, and so, so it, there's just a sense of tradition in in it, and um, yeah, yeah, uh, Labelle was the the person's name. Right. Uh, and yeah, like uh, Fitch, he says, you know, I, I got old maid. What the fuck is old maid? <laughs> uh, but she draws hide and seek. And she's basically like, we're not really going to play hide and seek, are we? And they're like, oh, you know, tradition. And so they have to play hide and seek. You know, just the nature of the film, we knowing what it's about, we kind of see where this is going. But all like the stark faces and all the family members. It's like they know that, like, what's about to go down. <clears throat> you yeah, think there's, there's actually, like something, there's a... you know, somebody says they play chess. And it, then now, uh, what was his name said? Uh, Fitch said he played Old Maid. Uh, you know, just all these innocuous games. And you think there's going to be something malicious or, or you know, or, or bad about them. But no, they just literally played the game. Right. Um, you don't have to win. You just have to play. But yeah this hide and seek you can tell that's something that they're not used to and they're a little take, taken aback by it yeah because there's actually a moment but before they draw the card that tony says to alex he says if she draws that card are you prepared to do what has to be done yeah it's very ominous <laughs> and so yeah she says you know who who's gonna hide and who's gonna seek and they're like well obviously since you know you drew the card you're the center of attention here you're the one that's gonna hide and then we'll count to 100 and then we'll come find you. And then they play this weird, creepy song from like the 30s about hide and seek. That was so fucking weird. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and she hides in the dumbwaiter. And she's just kind of hiding there while they, you know, go through their montage of loading up their weapons and stuff. It's like Tony said, you know, at this point, everyone kind of knows what the, the premise is that they're. This hide and seek game is actually a the you know the deadliest game you might say. <laughs> you might say that one might. Uh, but eventually she gets bored of hiding in the dumbwaiter, and so she gets out. Alex grabs her and pulls her into a bedroom, and they hide. And one of the maids walks into the room, and Mrs. McMurray sees her and shoots her in the face, thinking that she's Grace. <laughs> And so that's so, when all of a sudden, you know, it dawns on Grace that, oh my God, they're like trying to kill me. Yeah. And Alex explains, you know, that if they don't play the game, then they'll both die. 
and basically the the family believes that the this deal they made with LaBelle, if they don't offer him this sacrifice every time this hide and seek card comes up, that they will be dead by dawn. Trademark right. Ghost House Pictures. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is later on I guess not much later on. God, I can't remember if it's Alex or if it's Daniel that explains this. Um, but say that if they don't play, then the family kills them and the family member. Yeah. Like there have been like, you know, aunts and uncles and, and cousins and God knows who else who on their wedding night, she said, I'm not playing this. And the, the next morning they were both dead. <clears throat> so it's a pretty serious family tradition. <laughs> yeah. And you don't fuck and with yeah, tradition. Alex, you know, he explains to her, he was like, if, if I told you all of this, you would have left. And he's like, and if I didn't propose, you would have left. And I couldn't bear losing you. So here we are. Yeah, he basically kind of gave her like, what were the odds type thing? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know how much I can talk about without giving stuff away. It's you know, there's it's a real just cat and mouse movie. Um, yeah, you know, she like rips off her train and puts on her chucks, and then she's just like running through the house trying to avoid this family and the and the help. The butler guy, he's you know, he's one of the guys that does the most damage to her. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to give any give away any of the good scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as as far as horror goes, I I don't know that this really even falls into the category. It's it's tenuous at best. Yeah, it's much more of a kind of a uh, action movie. Yeah. Um. Very very bl- like black comedy. I mean, it's actually if you look at Wikipedia, it describes it as a black comedy. But the, the the comedy in it's very dark, um, kind of morbid. Um, but I mean, you know, you've got this cast of people that you've seen in, in other things. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of them, but it's just it's a really solid cast that put together all these <clears throat> um, really strong actors playing their characters really well. Um, Honestly, I think as far as characters went, I feel like uh, Alex was kind of like the the weak point. Or sorry, um, yeah, Alex, the husband. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I, I, I think it was an important role, obviously, because. Otherwise, you wouldn't really have the rest of the movie. But <laughs> right? um, I don't know, just the way the character was played, the way it was presented in the movie, it, it almost he seemed like a throwaway character. Yeah, he didn't seem to be played up as as large as you would think that the groom would be. Right. I, I'd say uh, Daniel, I mean the the brother, was seemed more of a, a centerpiece 
than than Alex did. Yeah, um, he seemed he seemed more invested in what was going on. Um, granted, he seemed to have more demons, I guess. <laughs> um, well, I mean, he's you know the whole movie he's carrying that weight of uh, you know selling that guy out at the very beginning. Yeah. But and so he's, also he's main... clearly got this crisis of conscious conscience going on, uh, pretty much from the the moment she draws the card. Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, we know for most of the movie, um, when when Alex tells uh, Grace about, um, sorry, I'm having a brain fart, tells him about or tells her about his own family members being killed because their spouse wouldn't participate. It's like, you can only imagine what they would have done to anybody else. Um, I mean, they probably would have suffered the same fate if they, if they decided they wouldn't participate in the hunt. So, I mean, you, if you, as far as, uh, you know, Daniel's character goes, it's like, you've got this kind of war going on in your head. Yeah. I mean, you've got and Daniel clearly hates his wife. <laughs> She clearly just is just like a gold digger and just married into money. She basically says as much. Yeah. I love like they're getting their photos taken at the beginning and uh his wife whose name I don't remember. Um Charity. Charity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's she's like, you know, she she doesn't seem like one of us. Daniel's like, yeah, she has a soul. <laughs> And then, like um, I said, Emily uh, is just is just Mrs. McMurray. Like she's she's on coke for most of the movie. She also pops pills at one point, and she's just like absent-minded. Keeps accidentally shooting people, right? <clears throat> at one point, she actually um, yells out "cock" as a as a expletive, and I was just like, "Yeah, that's just Mrs. McMurray." Like <laughs> <laughs> cock sucking G and T's, but. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this movie is predominantly just a cat and mouse. Just Grace trying to stay one step ahead of everybody else is trying to hunt her. And she's locked in the house, so it's... Uh, I mean, it's not like she can go anywhere. And you know, you've got I these mean, people... I mean, she does get out have... at one point, but... Well, <laughs> I was going to leave that part out, but... Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, she's trying to hide in this house that this family has lived in for generations, so... How much luck is she actually going to have? Yeah, like the the family keeps having this infighting because it's very important to them. You know, obviously tradition is very important. So they're like, we have to use grandpa's weapons and we, we can't use any of the surveillance cameras because those run around when grandpa, you know, started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's this infighting of like, let's just look, use the cameras and find her. Yeah. They're trying to rationalize it. It's like, yeah. well, if grandpa was here, he would have used them. Yeah, like if Grandpa, if they had cameras when Grandpa first made the deal with LaBelle, I'm sure he would have used them. Yeah. Let's use technology to our advantage. Um, there's kind of a twist at the end, which honestly, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Me neither, but I loved it. It was good. <laughs> I mean, there was... There were a few twists, and like one in particular, I probably... If I would have been paying closer attention, I probably would have picked up on it. 
earlier in the movie, but the whole tone of the movie kind of changes from this just like, you know, deadliest game thing into something kind of different. Um, and I, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, there's like tiny, tiny references to it, but it's not really anything that you you don't think of it as a bigger picture. You think of it as just this small thing. Right. Um, yeah, I'd love to give away more, but like I said, I don't want to give away any of the good scenes and it's most of the, the middle of the movie is just, you know, interesting ways of her escaping or fighting back. Yeah. It's not, it's not a super gory movie, but there is some blood and, and, pretty uh actually the injury itself is pretty run-of-the-mill but what happens after yep yeah (laughs) just like uh, because i saw it coming i was just like no oh yeah (laughs) it was one of those things where they absolutely telegraph it so that you're waiting for it yeah and still when it happens you're just like oh fuck it's like uh well what's that doing there <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really have much else to say, I guess, unless you have anything else. Like I said, I, I would love to talk about it more, but it's just I don't want to give away all the good scenes. And the only way to talk about the middle of the movie is to just give everything away. Yeah. I, I really liked the end. Um, I, I thought it was unexpected. It's one of those things. I hope this doesn't give anything away, but it's like you feel like you should have seen it coming. Yeah. Yeah, like that, that whole change in tone and like I'm just like I, I know there must have been something along the line that would have given that away if I was paying closer attention, but kinda of surprised me. And then the very like yeah, as it progresses into the very end, it's just like I, I I liked it more and more. The rest of the movie itself so like, yeah, this is fun, but I'm not really getting what everybody was so hype about. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really good, and it's like you said, it's it's fun, but at the same time, it's it's just it does kind of feel like just filling time. Yeah, which I mean, like from a movie like this with its its theme, I wouldn't have expected anything else. I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, I mean, it. It's not a long movie. It's about an hour and a half, right? Um, but I don't know. I mean, like I, I think they probably could have gotten by on like an hour twenty. Just cut ten minutes out, just to kind of help move things along a little more. Yeah, because it's not like in the middle. There's a lot of twists or anything. It's it. It really is just like now she's fighting this person and now she's fighting this person. Yeah. The the, like the best of part of it just... is the is the infighting with the family. Yeah. That yeah, that's that's like that's like a lot of the drama and a lot of the comedy. Like yeah. at the same time. It's funny. I will I say I, I laughed out loud a few times. Yeah. Just like how bumbling a lot of them were just in there cuz you know these these upper crust snobby assholes it's like they don't know they don't know how to kill a man. 
Or woman in this um, case. Like parts of it kind of reminded me of your next. And I think just the, you know, the yep. being in a home kind of thing. But then like the, yeah. the comedy parts of it. And like you said, the way the family is so like bumbling reminds me of, of Clue in a way. Dude. Yes, exactly. I thought you're next and Clue. Both of them. <laughs> um, yeah, when you know when uh, when Grace kind of tries to arm up and she you know she throws that bandolier over her chest and you know picks up that elephant gun. It's yeah, like I was just kind of waiting to find out that she's like secretly some like super badass. But right, I'm like no, that would have been like exactly like you're next. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cheese was like that's just made to be a Halloween costume. I don't know if anybody would get it, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little niche. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe what she was secretly no, really trying to say this. is that would have been an easy Halloween costume. I think that was yeah, that might have been more it. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was, um, like I said, it was laugh out loud funny at points. And, uh, yeah, not really scary, but it's it's a good kind of cat and mouse horror as far as um, horror goes and I I really liked the ending yeah yeah and I guess the ending without without giving anything away hopefully the ending is kind of what pulls it into that horror realm <clears throat> when things start to kind of change pace a little bit yeah um, but yeah I mean it's, it's fun um, I don't know if there's anything I'm gonna be aching to go back to anytime soon but it was it was fun and um i'd say i'd recommend it especially now because it's on hbo so yeah it's uh i think it's on prime too is it i think oh i don't know i watched on hbo so so did i oh well um but yeah did you watch it on HBO Max? Uh, apparently. Because <laughs> we had the HBO channel on Hulu, which I think was technically HBO Go, but it switched over to HBO Max when that started. So, See, we have HBO now. Because mm. HBO Maybe Max does not have a Roku app yet. Oh. Apparently yeah. HBO Go is going away, and just, HBO I got a message now about that. is going to be rebranded as just HBO, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why? Why are they doing that? If anything, HBO now should go away, and HBO Go should be rebranded as HBO. Yeah, or just have one fucking app, uh, or that. Yeah. <laughs> Like every other goddamn premium channel. Just have <sighs> HBO, HBO Max, and Evil Dead now. <laughs> <laughs> I brought it back. <clears throat> it's a reference to before, yeah. <clears throat> Alright, um, well, anything else to add about this? I don't think so. I I would strongly recommend it. Um, Like I said, I don't know how long it's going to be until I want to watch it again. 
Um, yeah. But no, I, I definitely enjoyed this quite a bit. And Cheese enjoyed it, so that's something. There you go. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> something in my room just made a noise, and I have no idea what it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, it was fun. Um, it's, it's probably going to be a while before I consider watching this again. It, it might be one of those ones that just kind of fall into obscurity for me, honestly. I may, not, I may never watch it again. Just because it's going to be something I say, oh yeah, that was good. What else is on? Right. <laughs> but I mean, that's not to say that it's, it was bad, like at, at all. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll give it a seven. All right. I'm a. Uh... I'm going to tell you what I told her, and that's that I'm going to give it a hard eight. You wish. <laughs> that's what she You're said. You're right. A soft four and a half. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Next up <clears throat> is the, I guess, brand new. Yeah. May. Oh, okay, so it came out... July last year at Fantasia Fest, but it just dropped in May. That means nothing. As, uh, yeah, it's. I hate when I, I, don't, I don't he does that. I mean, <clears> he's <throat> like, oh, it premiered at this festival that 17 people attended. I don't fucking care. That's not a premiere. Yeah. Don't when, tell me. When that. did I, I, I have no interest? When, when could I watch it? <laughs> All right. But it is the Brett Pierce and Drew T. Pierce movie, The Wretched. outside your house you tell me all right dad mom's being weird mom's always been weird <laughs> what are you doing up here don't let her in. My son likes to play hide and seek. Can you bring him down? I didn't say he was here. You're a very stupid boy. Can I help you? He's still in home? Dylan, Dylan, down here, baby. You know, your son, Dylan, I don't have a son. He had no idea who I was talking about. Listen to mommy. He's gone. I know it. I'd like to report a missing kid. Are you okay, Ben? Where is your sister? I need you to tell me what's going on. Ben!
All right, so The Wretched uh, is a movie that has been very popular. Uh, kind of on the down... <laughs> this is going to sound contrary. It's been popular on the down low. Been very quietly popular? Yes. <laughs> it's been, uh, you know, with theaters being closed, you know, actually, like cinemas being closed... Um, you know, movies just aren't being released. So with this one, they sent them not to to VOD, obviously, but also it's been showing in uh, drive-ins, which have been gaining a lot of popularity in the last, I don't know, I'd say maybe five years, um, just because a lot of them are trying to drum up more business um, and kind of keep the tradition of drive-in alive. <clears throat> but then you get movies like this that have been really popular. People are specifically going out to see them. Um, and especially when you limit people's choices. When people want to go to the theater and see a movie and all you've got is a drive-in, then you just go see what's playing at the drive-in. <laughs> yeah. Um, we actually wanted to go see, or I should say, I wanted to go see this at the drive-in a couple of days ago, but the weather was... For some reason, uh, like the weather is like it's February, even though it's the middle of fucking June. So it was it was cold and raining, so that didn't happen. Anyway, um, but it's been doing really well. It's been really popular. Um, like Taylor said, it was the number one film in in the U.S. for for a little while, which at this point it's not really hard to do. Yeah, there's like four uh, movies in theaters. So. Yeah. But um, it's been playing really well so far. But anyway, um, so the movie starts out in 1985. I'll say this right now: I don't know why it starts in 1985. <laughs> like I, I, for the entirety of the movie, I was sitting and like, what was the point of that scene in the 80s? Yeah, it's it's just a cold open for the sake of having a cold open. No. So in. Uh, 1985. I don't think it ever actually does. It actually say 1985. I don't recall it giving a specific year. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember. According if it to did. Wikipedia, it was 1985. Um, this girl walks into this house. Uh, it, it's like an old farmhouse. Um, she walks in, um, and she. She's walking in. She's got her Walkman on, listening to generic 80s sounding music. And she takes her big giant headphones off. And, um, you know, she's looking around for somebody. She's like, hello, I'm here. Um, and she she walks in. And she sees the phones off the hook. She hears, like, the, the dial, not the dial tone, but the tone when the phone's been left off the hook. Um, and... She hangs up the phone and calls her mom. Um, and you know this is not the present because there are no cell phones, Taylor. She called that's on the you, landline. That's how you know it was 1985. They didn't need to tell you it was 1985 because there was a landline. <laughs> um, so she calls her mom says, hey, yeah, I'm here at the Gambles, um, but I, I'm having trouble finding anybody. Or no, she didn't say that. 
just says, I'm here at the Gambles. Um, yeah, I'll be home later. Blah, blah, blah. A lot of people say a lot of things. <laughs> um, she hangs up the phone, and but she, hear, she hears a noise coming from elsewhere in the house. And she finds that it's coming from the basement. She walks downstairs. And um, she uh, finds uh, this thing eating a little girl. <laughs> Some thing. Um, and uh, so she freaks out and she runs up the stairs. But at the top of the stairs, you find presumably Mr. Gamble um, standing there at the, the doorway. And, you know, she's screaming, help me, help me, you know, like, I, you know, get me out of here. And instead of helping her, she he slams the door and the creature drags her into the, the, the bowels of the basement. <clears throat> so then we jump forward to present day and we know it's present day, Taylor. Cell phones. Cell phones. <laughs> Did you notice, though, that every time they showed Ben talking on the phone, he was like, his fingers were strategically placed to cover the Apple logo? I didn't catch that, no. You never see the entire Apple logo at any point. I think that's probably pretty standard. Although I Put it in, in a movies, fucking case! <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know why you didn't put it in a fucking case. Anyway, so we uh, jump to the the present, uh, and Ben is a a, a young lad, a young boy, 16, a young boy, uh, probably about sixteen, seventeen years. He's old. seventeen. He says at one point he's that's 17. right. He says he's seventeen, um, and he's he's on a bus, uh, like a, and uh, he's on his way out into the the boonies because he's. Uh, Going to stay with his dad for a little while while his parents are in the middle of a divorce. Um, so he he goes and you know he's kind of a new kid in a new town and so he's trying to settle in. Um, and uh, he starts working at the marina where his dad's like the you know the boss and harbor master or wherever he is. Um. And uh, he meets a girl named Mallory who works there too, and they kind of start to get close. Um, yeah. Anyway, so as Ben is trying to get settled in, and you know, from this point, a lot of it's very familiar, just like a typical teenage angst movie. You know, you've got the love interest, you've got. Um, you know, you've got the, the the other love interest that's trying to distract him from the original love interest. and um, no, 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 got, no, 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 no. You've got the love interest and you've got the fuck interest. Sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, you've got the, the bully who's the fuck interest's boyfriend. And um, it, it's, it's all kind of g- generic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he kind of okay. So then uh, I guess at you know concurrently, the next door neighbors, um, Abby, and her son uh, Dylan, 
are out in the woods, um, just traipsing around off trail. Um, they they get they get kind of lost in the woods, and uh, Abby hears this noise coming from a from a creepy looking tree. Um, or no, sorry, it's it's a uh, Dylan that hears the noise, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, he hears, um, a, he, uh, he hears his mom's voice. Yeah, saying, come here, come here, calling him into the tree. You know, it's like, you get your ass over here, like starting to get aggressive. Yeah, and then the real... <laughs> it's it's like, come here, mommy needs your help. And it's like, get over here, you little shit. Yeah. Uh, but then the real Abby shows up and just like, you know, what are you doing? Let's, let's get home. But whatever was in that tree follows them home. Um, and in the night, I guess I can talk about this, right? It's part of the premise. Yeah, I would say so. Well, in the night, um, whatever, whatever, uh, was in that tree has followed Abby and Dylan home. Um, and while Abby's in checking on her and her husband's infant son, uh, what's the kid's name? Sam. Baby boy. Uh, whatever that thing is, uh, grabs her and pulls her underneath the crib. It's the and, wretched. Just call it the wretched. Yeah, the, the wretched thing, uh, uh, takes her and presumably takes over her body or puts on her skin, I guess is more accurate. Um, yeah, they never show that, but they're, uh, when they're reading books about it, they, they see pictures of the... It, a Wikipedia yeah. calls it a witch. I don't know. But it puts on... Yeah, it puts on... It wears people's skins like the werewolves in Trick or Treat. Right. Um, Dylan is pretty suspicious of his mom just because you know you, you know your mom you know how she acts and when she doesn't act that way you kind of get suspicious um and uh his dad what the hell is his name uh ty yeah um he's kind of oblivious to it all um so dylan kind of s- seeks help from from Ben who you know can see the fear in the kid's eyes so he knows something's wrong he may not know what but kind of tries to protect him but that pisses off this wretched thing um, and uh, yeah and it, it just kind of goes from there it's uh, it's based the entire the entire movie is basically uh, Ben trying to track, you know, trying to get one step ahead of the wretched thing so it can um, prevent it from killing children because that's kind of its mo. Um, meanwhile, trying to explain away all of his really uh, strange behavior and you know, f- uh, you know. Not felonious, but his uh, scofflaw 
um, tendencies. And it doesn't help well, I mean, that he has a history. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's, he's got a broken arm. And it's, you know, a little bit of a spoiler, but you find out that he broke his arm because he was breaking into his neighbor's house to steal Vicodin. And they yeah. caught him and he he's... jumped out the window. Yeah, I guess that's kind of where you find out why. Well, it's not 100% why, but it's part of the reason he's at his dad's house because, yeah, he's kind of a, a, a pillhead and... They send him out to the country because it's going to be good for him or something. Um, yeah, so he keeps going over to the, the neighbor's house to try and, you know, catch this wretched or find clues or something. And so his dad keeps getting suspicious that he keeps going over there. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, most of the movie is just, uh, you know, Ben trying to uh, get a leg up on the the wretched witch thing, whatever it is. Uh, oh, it's in the in the credits. It's the actual character is credited as the wretch. Oh, I saw it referred to as the the boo ghoul or something like that on some other website. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where that anyway. came from, but so uh, yeah, I mean, without getting into spoiler territory, that's basically the gist of the movie. Yeah. Um, thoughts? It's pretty good. Um, I got a real rear window vibe from it. I could see that. Just because so much of the movie is Ben looking through his window at the neighbor's house. <laughs> But it's yeah, like, um, like if Rear Window was made for teens. Like Disturbia? Kind of like Disturbia, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, could, I could see this being kind of like Rear Window if, if the neighbor was a witch instead of a serial killer. Right. <clears throat> um, but uh, anyway... Yeah, it, I, I, I liked it, but like I said at the beginning, there wasn't a lot about it that was like really original or groundbreaking. I mean, it was pretty by the numbers as far as like a sort of like a teen horror, I guess. Was this even was this rated R? I think it was. I didn't notice. I keep looking for my phone, forgetting that I'm video chatting with you on it. <laughs> I mean, it must have been there. There was a, a bit of nudity, and uh, oh, you don't see swearing. anything. Well, I mean. Uh, a few asses and a few f bombs. That makes an R. Well, yeah. Regardless, it was very uh, teen centric. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, being that the main characters were teenagers, but also it it, it had that kind of um, that almost like college movie kind of vibe. Almost. I, I feel like it was almost like um, 
I mean, I know it's kind of like the the invoke thing to say, but it was almost like Stranger Things in, in that it was kids trying to, you know, solve a problem with you know monsters and things not of this world, you know. Yeah. Um. But you know, it, uh, this is unrated, by the way. It's unrated. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what to say about it. Yeah, like even um, though like he's he's there for you know like he's at disciplinary reasons and he's like working at the marine and stuff, but it still felt kind of like spring breaky. Yeah, just the interactions between the people and stuff, and like you said, so formulaic. You've got the the you know love interest, and then you've got oh, but. He, this other girl is super hot and then the bullies are picking on him and mm-hmm. yeah and you know oh there's this uh, sweet pool party that all the kids are invited to it's like when you were in high school did you ever see that much beer at a party no there was like some beer and mostly it was like bottles of liquor that somebody stole from their parents <laughs> right it's like, you don't just, like, unless you've got, like, a cool older brother or something that's in college or something that bought you and your friends a keg. Like, you didn't have kegs at parties. Get the fuck out of here with that. But, I mean, it, it was a, uh, a woods party. I never went to the woods parties in high school because I was like, someone's going to get shot or something. <laughs> raped <laughs> um, I didn't go to a lot of parties in high school because I didn't like the people I went to high school with But yeah same here I, I usually went the parties I went to were because I was going with a friend I also didn't drink in high school parties. So. yeah me neither so we were so cool <laughs> Everybody thought, like, you know what drove me nuts was, like, in college when I didn't drink or, you know, before I started drinking, you know, people were like, why don't you drink? Are you straight edge? It's like, no, I'm not fucking straight edge. I just don't drink. It's like there were people in the world that didn't drink before there was such thing as a straight edge, you know? There's an old turnip (laughs) in the back of the cabinet. Would that be good for you? Would you like that? I know you don't drink. Or like my girlfriend left a Nuva ring in the fridge. <laughs> Would that be good for you? Would you like that? I know you don't drink. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, don't, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it was... It was a decent movie. It was it was well done. I'm not. I mean, aside from it, just there being, uh, you know, not much to pick from. You know, I, I don't really understand why this is doing so well. It's got decent reviews. It's like the reviews on it aren't glowing particularly, but they're not bad. Mm-hmm. Which I actually I think haven't read that, any reviews. I, I think that's 
apt. I, th- I think this movie is fine. I don't think it's anything spectacular. It is very derivative. And and the you know there's not a lot of effects, but the ones that are in there are pretty good. Yeah, there's yeah, like, like scenes the... of the of the the wretched like coming out of of people's stomachs and stuff that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there similar to Ready or Not, there is a twist at the end, which again I didn't see that coming. Like I don't even know how I could have seen it coming. Kind of caught me off guard a little bit. It wasn't like uh, earth shattering, but it was yeah, kind of like an interesting they, little. They revealed this twist, and I'm like, okay. Like it, it adds <laughs> nothing to the story. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I guess not. It was just a, an interesting little thing to to throw in there. Um, yeah, but it plays it up as this huge like reveal. And it's like, if you didn't have that in there, it really wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. Because they do this, like, Saw-style recap where they like, here's all the things you missed that led up to this moment. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, okay. You know what's... What I... I thought it was kind of clever. But what I don't get was how it was affecting him so early on or like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how I don't know how it affected the, 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 the plot so early on in the movie without even realizing it doesn't I don't, the, I don't want to say more doesn't the very very end kind of give that away but the very was, lo- bef- well I'll talk about it off mic okay um, I will say the the very very end I, I didn't get at first and I had to actually like look it up and then all of a sudden I was like oh okay same here uh, when it happened I was like huh yeah I was like what's the, the relevance the of the that cre- yeah by the time the credits started rolling I was, I was like oh wait okay <laughs> um anyway yeah it, it, it's it's not bad it's it's worth seeing i think i mean it, as far as a rental goes if you're on vod it's like it's seven bucks which is a little pricier than most rentals but it's worth a watch i think it's also and brand new defi- well sure but it, it's it's definitely worth a trip to the drive-in if you have one nearby or you know within your vicinity um i mean i I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I basically drew up, grew up on the drive-in. Um, before we moved up here uh, to Washington, um, and bef- when there were still areas in LA or you know in the LA area that weren't super overlit, you know, you didn't have a lot of ambient light uh, twenty-four hours a day. There were still drive-ins, and that's where we went because we could go all five of us. For because they could charge by the car full then rather than by person. Mm. Whereas you know if we went to this the we called it the sit down theater at the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we went there, you know you had to pay by head and it was like five six dollars a person. But you go to the drive in, you pay like ten bucks a car. So that's where we saw a lot of our movies when I was a kid, and we didn't actually start going to the 
the sit-down theater <laughs> until we moved up here and you know we could only go to the drive-in two months out of the year is that one in auburn still open no that's long gone yeah that's like there a condos now i think uh bremerton oh there's also there's one up in oak harbor i think no not oak harbor um Up north, I I can't remember exactly where, but but yeah, we always we always try to make it a point to go out to the drive-in at least once a year. Um, it's just it's fun. It's a nice little kickback. You take the ferry nice out there to Bremerton. Yeah, no, we just drive over the bridge. It'd probably no. make more sense if you were to go there to take the ferry. Yeah, but for us, it's just take a drive over the bridge over the bridge um uh anyway but i think if you just use it as an excuse to go to the drive-in like i said if you have one near you i think it's it's worth it especially if you find one that still charges by the car load that's a bonus yeah <laughs> just stuff people in the trunk <laughs> we know what we we did is like we usually took my dad's truck, um, and so we'd just all pile up in the bed of the truck so we could all fit in one car. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But it's nice because usually, you can't right now because of COVID, but um, you can take uh, your pets, and you can walk your dog around and stuff. Pretty cool. That's cool. Anyway, so uh, all in all... Not a bad little movie. Um, not sure all the hype is really uh, deserved. Is there a lot not, of hype? Not deserved, huh? Is there a lot of hype? As far as as far as the the high ratings and you know people, I mean, it's got like a seventy three percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Apparently, oh yeah, that seems um, high. Um, but it's. I, I would say it's not deserved. I'd just say it hasn't been earned quite yet. I don't know. Hmm. But it's fine. If you want to sit home on a you know Friday or Saturday night, like most people are anyway, and you've got seven bucks to spend, it's it's worth it, I think. There there are worse things to watch. Yeah. Um, I give it a six, I think. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. Well, there you go. All right, well, that's gonna do it for this episode, guys. We actually made it through. We're not done yet. Don't. Get too cocksure there. Don't jinx, don't jinx it. Um. Anyway, uh, so we'll be back in a couple weeks with a brand spanking new episode for you. Um, Taylor, what are we going to be watching? Or no? Well, was it? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh, right. Uh, our next episode is normally would be our 
Fourth of July episode, which we always yeah. make a big deal out of. We wear stupid hats and we drink way too much. <laughs> we drink terrible things for whatever reason. I don't know how that awful, became a tradition. Things. Like Zima and Four Loco. Uh, this year, we're just... Tony and I both agreed we're just not feeling very patriotic. So yeah, we're not we're not super into the whole America thing this year, even as a joke. Yeah. Um. So we're really not sure what the plan is right now. We we may just do a regular episode. We may do a, like a different kind of special episode. But there's also a very strong chance we just do no episode. Uh. So. You know, just be aware that there is a very real possibility that we're not going to be back for another month. God, sounds like a long time when you put it like that. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll play it by ear, and I don't know if uh, two Wednesdays from now comes and goes, and you don't see an episode, then you'll know what we decided. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll put out a notice on our like website and stuff, telling people exactly why that it's, you know, it's not just being laser or anything. It's it's a message, and we're we're not putting out an episode for a very specific reason. But um, I don't know. Like Tony said, we'll play it by ear. We're we're not sure what the plan is yet. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, but yeah. Even if we don't put out another episode for a month, we hope you guys stick with us. Um, cause we'll be back. Um, and yeah, we'll always be back. Where are we going to go? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so until we talk again, um, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, fucking Microsoft podcasts. Is that a thing? I don't know. Wherever, whatever people do, whatever people do, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast, or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And of course, if you would like to contribute to the show monetarily, head over to patreoncom slash Podcast. That's right. So, guys, we'll see you when we see you. Hopefully, not. You know, hopefully not too long. Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, the next episode comes sooner than later. Or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, guys. So, until next time, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. And take it slowly Ready or not Here I come You can't hide Gonna find you And make you want me Now that I escape, sleep, walk away Those who correlate know the world they kick Jail bars ain't golden gates Those who fake, they break When they meet their 400 pound mate If I could rule the world Everyone would have a gun in the ghetto Of course, when get the up and on their horse Kick around, drinking moonshine I pour a sip on the concrete Put it in seats, but no, don't weep Why Clef's in a state of sleep Thinking about the robbery that I did last week 
Money in the bag, banker look like a drag I wanna play with pelicans from here to Baghdad Gun blast, think fast, I think I'm hit My girl pinched my hips to see if I still exist I think not, I'll send a letter to my friends A born again hooligan, only to be king again Ready or not, here I come You can't hide Gonna find you And take it slowly Ready or not, oh. here I come Play my enemies like a game of chess where I rest. No, no stress, stress if you don't smoke cess. Less, I must confess, my destiny's manifest. There's some cortex and sweats. So I make tracks like I'm homeless. Rap orgies with Borgie and Bess. Capture your bounty like Elliot Ness. Yes, bless you if you represent the food. But I hex you with some witches brew if you do do. Voodoo, I could do what you do. Easy. Believe me, frontin' niggas give me heebie-jeebie. So why you imitating Al Capone? I be needing Simone and defecating on your microphone. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. 